I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Over 40 years ago, a UFO was sighted by a whole group of schoolchildren in Wales. But it's rarely talked about or even known about. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. And this week, we look into mass UFO sightings. In 1997, in a schoolyard in Pembrokeshire, Wales, and the children are in the midst of their break time. Suddenly, the playground erupts with the excited yet wary voices of children as something never seen before flies overhead. It was at this moment that a class of pupils at Broadhaven Primary School said they spotted a UFO in a field near their playground. This was only one of a wave of sightings in the area in 1997. This instance was titled the Difford Triangle. One pupil, David Davis, who was 10 at the time, heard reports of pupils seeing flying saucers throughout the day and wanted to see for himself. He told BBC Wales, I was a natural born sceptic, so after the bell rang, I decided to go to the area that the children said they'd seen it. He described seeing a silver cigar-shaped craft with a dome covering the middle third. Sounds very similar to the tic-tac shapes seen in the recent American Air Force encounters in the last year. David said, my sighting only lasted a couple of seconds. It popped up and then went back behind a tree. He said he did not feel afraid, more in awe and wonderment, although he admitted he had a strange desire to run away. As you can imagine, none of the teachers believed the children. So the headmaster decided to separate them and told them to draw what they had seen. Although there were some differences, what the children drew was basically the same. After the media frenzy that followed two months later, Rosa Granville, who ran the Haven Fort Hotel in Little Haven, described seeing an object that looked like an upside-down saucer with two faceless humanoid creatures with pointed heads. So much heat came off it, her face felt burned, she said. There was a light coming from it and flames of all colours. Then the creatures came out of the flames. That's what I don't understand. When she visited the field they landed in, there were two inches of burned ground. With all these sightings in such a short space of time, a number of theories have been put forward to explain what the people saw. Flight Lieutenant Cowan, an officer from RAF Broadry, visited the sites but could find no evidence of a landing. In his report, he stated the possibility of a local prankster at work. Although many questioned the children, author Neil Spring, who wrote a book on the sightings, said, 
My research showed that there were some strange occurrences in Broadhaven long before the incident at the school and for a long time afterwards. So you can take the children out of the story and you'll still have a story. Now, I've just been watching J.J. Abrams' UFO on the television, and it certainly has opened my eyes as to how much our governments don't want us to know about certain important activities, and one of them being UFOs. Now, if you haven't seen this program and you're interested in all things to do with ufology, then I suggest you give it a watch. There are so many cases that have been reported throughout the years where multiple people have seen strange lights and objects in the sky. And when reported to the authorities, it never seems to get looked into. Just like the case in Wales, multiple eyewitnesses have come forward explaining the same phenomena. Are all these witnesses making it up then? Highly doubtful. And in my view, incredibly disrespectful to all the people who saw something they just can't explain. And believe you me, I know what that feels like. Take the Rendlesham case, where many locals saw strange lights in the skies, but weirdly enough, when asked by journalists a few days later, they knew nothing. I believe they were told to keep their mouths shut. So why don't the powers that be want us to know about the truth of UFOs. Some senior government officials say that the flying objects in the sky are just advanced, superior aircraft that the military are testing, but just don't want the Russians, Chinese or other superpowers to know what tech the West have. So they let us, mere earthlings, declare, oh, it's aliens, it's aliens, UFOs, oh, aliens are coming to get us. What a fabulous way to dampen possible chaos. Also, the recent film footage of the American Navy fighter pilots from the USS Nimitz capturing a tic-tac-shaped object at incredible speeds and is described by the pilots, the object wasn't propelled by any propulsion. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots from the west. Look at that thing, dude. That's not an LNS, though, is it? It's not. That is an LNS, dude. Well, if there's a like other thing, it's rotating. Oh my gosh, dude. Wow, look at that. This strange, incredible, fast moving object actually engaged one of the jets and then descended under the water at an incredible speed. And so many naval personnel witnessed that event, and yet. As soon as it was reported that very, very night, all the video and audio recordings, get this, simply disappeared. They were taken and they vanished. So who took them? I believe the American government did. They know so much and are definitely hiding something incredibly life-changing from us. But why? I believe if we knew that there was definitely other species that lived in other galaxies, what would that do to religions around the world? What would that do to the world's civilizations? Mass hysteria? The governments around the world would lose total control. My spidey senses are definitely tingling and I can smell a massive cover-up. 
Another incident is known now as the Melbourne 250. Here, more than 300 students and teachers at Westall High School in Melbourne, Australia, saw an unbelievable sight on April the 6th in 1966. They all looked to the sky as five planes flew overhead that were attempting to corner and capture a UFO. This went on for a while before the UFO zipped away out of sight at breakneck speed. Eyewitnesses said the planes were doing everything possible to approach the object. Every time they got too close to the object, it would slowly accelerate, then rapidly accelerate, then move away from them and stop. It's reported the headmaster of the school was approached by strange men in black suits who told the students and teachers never to say anything about the incident, even though it was witnessed by so many. We found these further two incidents from Blaze TV article on five unexplainable mass UFO sightings. In 1954, UFOs stopped a whole football match. Can you believe this? On the 27th of October, Florentina were playing against their local rivals in Italy. Tens of thousands of fans attended the match in the Stadio Artemio Franchi. But just after half-time, silence descended across the ground. People began shouting and pointing to the sky, prompting players to join in. Eyewitness accounts are different, but all believe that they had experienced a UFO. One player, Ardicio Magnini, described the sightings as like an egg moving slowly and also noted seeing silver glitter. Others described crafts like Cuban cigars, similar to the other cases we've looked at. Another mass sighting takes place in Zimbabwe in 1994. On the 16th of September, at the Aerial School, 62 pupils aged between 6 and 12 said they saw at least one aircraft land from the sky and land in a nearby field. Two black-clothed creatures left the craft and approached them, using telepathic communication to share messages about environmentalism. The children described the beings with big heads, no nose, just two holes, no mouth and long black hair. One young girl described it as talking with his eyes. There are so many different descriptions of aliens, from reptilian creatures to the classic greys with their large almond spooky shaped eyes. We must consider that perhaps there are many different types of species and races that have come to visit our Earth. And perhaps the ones described and witnessed in Zimbabwe are just one of many different kinds of alien races. I was lucky enough to go to Zimbabwe once while filming for Blue Peter and I'll never forget, sitting around a campfire at night in the middle of the bush, I looked up at the sky and what I saw took my breath away. I'll never forget it as long as I live. The brightness of the Milky Way hanging over us, so beautiful and ethereal. The stars were in abundance and twinkled and sparkled. I watched mouth open in astonishment as I saw not one but two shooting stars stream across the sky. And it was in that moment that I realised, how on earth can we not believe that there are other beings living out there? I think people who criticise and poo-poo the idea of aliens and alien craft as, well, ignorant and unintelligent and quite frankly bloody rude. There, I've said it.
Stay with us after the break, where we'll be speaking to Richard Rokeby, an author and researcher specialising in UFOs and author of the book The Lights Upon the Hills, which is all about the mass UFO sighting in the Burton Dasset Hills in Warwickshire. Now, this week, our story comes from James, who tells us about an out-of-body experience with connections to the Titanic and a paranormal encounter in a museum. Hi there. Two stories I'd like to share on the podcast. One is about an out-of-body experience and the other um, about a museum. Um, my first was a few years ago, I was asleep. Um, I've slept since and I have was in my dream very, very vivid. I wasn't aware of temperature, but I knew I was traveling down towards through some water. I wasn't aware of where I was going at that point. But then I happened to come across the bow wreck of Titanic. And I remember very vividly, I entered on the starboard side, the promenade deck. And I went through the rooms as it were, and I entered a room, and I, I don't remember which room it was, like a corridor, I suppose, rather than a room. Um, I could see all the degradation, or the sand, or the muck and the grime that had accumulated for over a century there. And on the floor, I could see some remnants of floor tiles. I could see the patterns and what design they were. Now, I wasn't aware that Titanic even had this design on them, or used them, I should say. Um, it was very unique. and very amazing. I remember feeling the weight of the water. I was never aware of the temperature, but the weight of the water was very prominent. And the particles through the water from the ship or whatever it may be, passing me, I could feel them past my head and my body. I could feel like I was swimming, impossible, but I felt like that was what was going on. And I, apart from the physical, I suppose the spiritual side of things, I could feel an overwhelming feeling of almost trespassing and the ship definitely did not want me there. It wanted to be left alone and it felt like death. It felt like an ending. It felt very much like I was not welcome. I didn't, the ship did not want me there. It certainly felt like death, a full stop to life. And it was coupled with that with a tremendous amount of overwhelming fear. Of course, those poor um, people, passengers and crew would have felt in that sorry nice. Um, big Titanic enthusiast as I am ever since I was little, having heard the story for the first time then and only um, encouraged me to dig um, further into the history of the um, of the ship and the White Star Line and through her maiden voyage. In documentaries post um, that experience, I noticed that in the wreck were these tiles and were this floor pattern. Now, I never knew she had this particular pattern through the um, Olympic class liners. So I found that quite remarkable that in this dream of mine that I would see something that I didn't even know was there. And yet in a documentary through my own research later on through books and um, looking at um, internet, Google images and that sort of thing that I would find um, such 
remarkable results and finding something that I didn't I didn't know existed in my own dream, which had baffled me quite frankly. Having someone on the ship also with my last name, um, Lawrence Beasley, spelled differently, but um, also attracting me to the story and myth, and so that's um, a very interesting uh, story that I hope you enjoyed. My second story is of a gentleman in a museum, um, museum uh, guide. This chap was solid. I could definitely, I would have thought he was a, you know, a genuine human being just walking around and I wasn't aware that he was anything other than what he seemed. Um, we, my family and I went to a heritage railway site. I Forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, the Teleclin Railway in North Wales. I do try to pronounce it correctly. And this chap was quite a heavy set gentleman. Um, I would estimate 50 or so years old and um, was taking myself and my family around the exhibits and artifacts of uh, the museum on the ground floor. Very entertaining, very enthusiastic to share all of his uh, information with us. And then he kind of suggested we um, try the next floor up. As we did, my family and I um, climbed the stairs to the next level. However, at that point, we never knew, but there was only one staircase, no lift, no other staircase whatsoever, up to the next floor. This gentleman was at the ground floor. This stairwell was was not the largest, really only large enough for um, two people to go up at once. Uh, my family and I made it up the stairs, and this gentleman was already standing with a big beaming smile, looking right at us, waiting for us to join him. So he could carry on his tour and share information with us about the other exhibits on show in the museum. Now, later on, it was a few years after that, I should say, we visited again um, and we I asked actually um, the other members of staff if they've ever had anybody up by his description working at the museum. I spoke to a lady there and she said that they haven't and, um, and it's also suggested that there may have been another uh, like a lift or another stairwell or anything like that and said no no it is really just the one is stairwell it's just you know that just gets you made to be you know and that's it um so yeah as i say the chap looks every bit as real as anybody else i wasn't aware of anything being un anything un untoward not that it any not that it was it didn't feel bad or evil of any kind he was just a very happy um enthusiastic chap looking to give us all the information that he knew and very happy to share it with us um he's a very happy chap but yeah to have that experience of not making a sound and then suddenly appear just at the top of the stairs was quite something um yeah <laughs> i do believe in ghosts and i do believe in the paranormal um but that really, uh, yeah, it took me for the six, I suppose. But um, yeah, but they're the sorts I like to share with you. Hope you um, found them interesting. Hope you enjoyed them. Um, but yeah, um, love the podcast, love the shows. Um, keep up the great work. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye bye. James, did I enjoy them? I bloody loved them. Thank you so much for sharing with us. That was absolutely brilliant. 
Well, I'm wondering, as I'm sure you have, that you are perhaps on the Titanic. And you probably know that people who have lived a past life, as I believe most of us have, will have sometimes very vivid dreams detailing some of the events in that past life. The fact that you described these tiles that then were verified later on as being on the ship at the time that it sank is incredible to me. Although some scientists and psychologists might say that you may have read or seen a documentary about the Titanic and subconsciously stored it away in your mind. But to me, the feeling of the weight of the water, the sensation that the ship didn't want you there is fascinating to me and only adds to the reincarnation story. Perhaps your soul was trying to tell you to wake up. It didn't want you to relive or feel that fear again, perhaps. And then you spoil me with the ghost of the museum curator or guide. How fantastic is this? Again, the fact that you asked the management if there was such a man and they say no. And also there was no other way to get to the top floor is just remarkable. Let's say this man was a ghost. He clearly loves trains and was very knowledgeable. Perhaps he once worked there. But then again, the managers didn't recognise him. I wonder, was this the first time he'd haunted like this? I'm absolutely fascinated by this story, James. And I tell you what, I need to go. Want to come with me? Mum's The Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, it's back to our main topic of UFOs, and I'm delighted to be joined by author and expert in all things to do with ufology, Richard Rokeby. Thank you, Yvette. Uh, thanks very much for, for taking the time to speak to me. Not at all. Very, very excited. So can you just tell me about this incredible mass sighting? Um, yes. Yeah, so it, um, I suppose to put it in, into context, so uh, there's a place called Burton Dasset in Warwickshire. And uh, Warwickshire is generally uh, fairly flat. And I sort of describe it. It's a bit like the Shire in Lord of the Rings, rolling countryside. Uh, but there, there is an area um, to the south of the county which has five hills in it which rise up. The highest actually is 666 metres, which I think is more coincidence than anything else. But um, this, this area has, has a long uh, history. Uh, it's a natural uh, feature. Um, it's mainly iron, ironstone, iron ore um, and sandstone, aramite sandstone. Uh, and it's sort of got five uh, main hills, uh, two at the two at the back, which are called uh, Hart Hill and Pleasant Hill, and then three uh, in a line across the front, which faces out the west, called Magpie Hill, Windmill Hill, and Bonfire or Beacon Hill, it's sometimes called. Now, I suppose it's fairly distinctive because it is just flat around it. You can go all the way out to the east until you get to somewhere like Bradgate Park in Leicestershire, and all the way out the west until you get to the Malvern Hill. So. It does stand out in the area. There was a, there's signs of an Iron Age village there around about uh, Middle Ages. Um, it had a bit of prosperity because it was an ideal place for a market because it is so prominent. So there was a market there at Burton Dasset. From that, just after that, uh, the Black Death and um, a, a series of sort of unkind landlords meant that the village more or less disappeared. And the area itself was generally used recreationally until the First World War, where the iron ore mining started again. But it's always been a place of mystery. You know, they would have um, courts there as well, so criminals would operate there and uh, hangings would be completed up on the hill. The church is on the site probably of a Roman uh, temple back in the day. So it's always been a bit of an area of mystery. But I guess it really came to prominence in, in terms of my story, uh, probably early winter, 1922. And it sort of reached a fever pitch around around February, 1923. And it was, 
It was initially reported by a milkman that lived on one of the farms on Burton Dasset, covered Burton Dasset. And he reported seeing lights floating around on the hills and around El Saints Church. He was a chap by the name of Michael Neal. And he was known to pull a few people's legs, I think, back in the day. But when he would talk about these lights, he became very serious about it. So people started to think, uh, is there something in this? And then what you've got really is a series of uh, good recorded accounts from either the local papers. There was a lot of interest in the local uh, the local and national papers at the time. And then uh, some accounts as well from uh, a book called The Ghosts of Warwickshire by um, a very respected local historian called Betty Smith. So these accounts start to come thick and fast. You know, one leads to the other. Michael Neal's account then led to a number of people, some of which are named, some aren't, which go up into the hills and start looking for these lights and then start to see them and give accounts of them flying over a small about a head, size of a headlamp. Uh, they're different colours, white, blue, red, and they're flying around the Burton Dasset Hills, sometimes undulating, sometimes moving at speed, sometimes uh, moving in a grid pattern as if they're searching for, for things. People have uh, different accounts of what they see. Next sort of major account really is by a chap by the name of George White, who takes, uh, he is about the lights being seen um, on the hills and takes two friends up uh, with him. Um, on a Sunday afternoon. They go up with the aim, really, of debunking it all and saying it's a load of nonsense, but all three of them sees the lights and report it to the local morning newspaper. And I think what they say is really interesting because they describe these lights moving around at different velocities, different altitudes. But at one point, George White says uh, they felt the lights go over them. Uh, and that, that was the bit that was really interesting to me because that idea of feeling something meant there was a change in air pressure, some sort of downward pressure, pressure or atmospherics. And uh, once I read that account, I, I started to think that well, maybe, maybe this isn't ghosts. Um, you know, looking through it in, the, in our modern eyes and what we know now, perhaps it was a UFO event. Um, I have to say it's completely understandable why people like George White and the locals and the local papers were framing it as, as ghosts. It was, it was not too long after the First World War. Um, spiritualism was and mediumship were uh, you know, enjoying a second age, if you like, after the American Civil, uh, Civil War. So, and people were desperate to believe that they could have some sort of contact with their sons and daughters that had been killed in the war. So... This, this was a bit of a pastime, really. When, when lights were reported around the country and there was places in Wales and uh, in Cornwall, not, not too uh, different time period, when lights were reported, people would go and spend their Saturday afternoons, their Sunday afternoons up in the hills looking for, for ghost lights. So you, you can completely understand why people thought there were ghosts. But as the accounts went on, and I started reading more and more on the accounts. It just seemed to be there were more like uh, UFOs, light UFOs. Uh, there was another uh, account which I think is really interesting, which um, was a chap by the name of Mr. Corbett, who was actually a signalman, a railway signalman at a place called Night Court, which is about half a mile away north um, of Burton Desert Hills. 
and uh, he was on duty one day in February and he, he was with a colleague and they suddenly saw an orange oval light, so rather bigger than what had been seen previously, floating down from the hills towards their signal box. So I think you've got a number of interesting factors here. One, a signal box is designed to have good all-round observation for the safety of the trains. Uh, but also, he's a trained observer. He, it, that's his job to look for things. And he's, he describes this to the station master at Fenny Compton train station to say, I've got this on the, on the wind-up phone. I've got this uh, bright orange light outside the front of me, me window, uh, and I don't know what to do about it. So he, he states that he, he tells the station master he's, he's, he's armed himself with a, a, a wrench that they use to change the signals. And, and should they come in, uh, he was, he was going to sort of deal with it, I think. But fortunately, it floated away. He must have been absolutely petrified. Yeah, I think it was, especially at that time, um, you know, I think the mm. idea that uh, people have seen ghosts, which was scary themselves. But, you know, the, a lot of the reports that were getting around this time uh, aren't what you typically describe as ghosts. Um, they're not human figures, etc. They're not tied to particular buildings. They're sort of moving around the area. And he, in fact, he was so scared, Mr. Cole, but he, he spoke to the police about it as well. They dispatched a police car and he gave exactly the same story. Now, he was putting a lot on the line by by doing that, you know, his, his livelihood effectively, but he was so compelled to tell somebody about it because it was so unusual. So then sort of stories uh, started to gather and then papers like the Birmingham Gazette, the uh, Banbury Gazette, even... Uh, the Times in London started sending reporters up and very often they witnessed these lights. Um, there was a reporter, I think, from the Birmingham Gazette who said that they went looking for it, couldn't find anything, uh, went for a bit of a pub lunch, came back up onto the top of the main hill, Windmill Hill, and looked out to the west to see lights coming from the sky, coming down from the sky, and effectively light up the whole of the skyline around it um, and then, then move off again. But I think the, the mass sighting comes from there was the reports from the locals who lived in the, the villages either either side of Burton Dasset Hills, which is uh, Avon Dasset, uh, North End and Fenny Compton. And they were telling reporters that many, many people had seen these lights um, over that sort of period uh, and and perhaps before. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning, you gave a, a, you know, as you were describing Dasset Hills, I was imagining the, you know, the whole countryside. You did it brilliantly. And I was there, I was actually there. But you mentioned, you know, that, that, you know, it was used for mining. I think it was iron, you said. And so, so why there? Why are there? Let's say, you know, I'm a absolute believer in alien life and I believe that they have been and visited many, 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 many times. And I think they'll continue to keep having a look and seeing what a mess we're making of it all and <laughs> going back and reporting and they're making a right blooming mess of that, you know. Anyway. Yeah, see, I imagine. Yeah. So, but why there? What's what's drawing them there? Is there some unmined mineral we don't know anything about? Is there, um, I don't know, high EMF readings that are, I don't know, you know, ma making a marker to them, as it were. Is there something going on in that particular area? And many areas around the world where these mass sightings are seen again and again and again, why do they keep coming back to the same place? Yeah, I mean, that that is the magic question now, isn't it, in terms of um, ufology has progressed so quickly over the last five years or so with the Theodore Roosevelt sightings and the, the Tic Tacs, etc. Uh, and 
you know, in terms of the evidence for UFOs, I, I believe the evidence is there. You know, there's this whole expression, how much more evidence yeah. do you want? <laughs> you know, you can, you can list off tens of thousands of sightings. So there's definitely something happening. The big question is always the motive, the why. In terms of Burton Dassett, so I have, I have speculated. I mean, there's, there's a whole um, spectrum, really, of what it, what it could be there for. So there's the spiritual side the energy of the place so as you mentioned there there is these places like skinwalker ranch like glastonbury i think burton dassett is, is another one um where there is definitely a different energy to the place that seems to either radiate or suck in you know spiritualism and and um and manifestations and you tend to find that these these areas aren't just purely ufos and, and there'll be Incidents of, of ghost sightings, there'll be incidents of, yes. of perhaps of yeah. cryptolo um, cryptology and, and strange beings. I mean, in Burton Dassett, there's no, there's no difference. There is other sightings of ghosts. A, a red eye spectre is seen around the church. Um, through my own investigations, there's a, a small forest, uh, a, a small wood called Fox Covert Wood, where there is clear evidence of uh, witchcraft being practiced there. Um, you know, I've had an experience where I was up there and I suppose what would be loosely termed the men in black, although they, they all seem to be in black Range Rovers, uh, chased me and a, and a friend off. So really? you know, it, is a, it is a real strange place, but I, I think it's it's more than just one thing. More specifically with Burton Dassett, my, my belief probably is it's something to do with the, the iron ore or, or the... Um, the ground, um, the rock formations. This uh, Aramite standstone is often linked to what's called earth lights. So lights that are seen floating down valleyways. There's a, there's a place in, in Norway that happens there. And, uh, you know, not, not too far away, the Rollwright stones as well, which is another ancient monument. So there's something to do with that. In terms of uh, advanced technology that would be drawn there um, i've speculated that um, it could be that they're looking for that particular material or they charge up where something in that area uh, and th to me these these lights the, the way that they're acting I, you know I'm, I'm not so sure that there is physical beings in the craft but they very much come across as uh, probes or artificial intelligence or uh, light beings so it could be that they're recharging from there or they're looking for the minerals, as you said, uh, quite rightly, they're, they're looking for the minerals that they need to power themselves. Because it's, it's always seems strange that when we see these UFOs, they're all brightly lit up, <laughs> whereas very often, you know, they could, be, they could be dark and you never notice them. But maybe that's part of the process. They need to recharge. So and whether it was between this this particular time period or not, I mean, there is some good evidence to suggest there's been other... Uh, visitations to Burton Dasset, but particularly between sort of February, uh, particularly between December 1922 and February 1923, there is an awful lot of activity. So it could be they're they're searching for particular minerals, or they're recharging or something before going out and, and doing something elsewhere. Well, definitely, absolutely, one hundred percent, something was going on there at that time, and and like you say, it, it's still happening. I'm a firm believer. The more I talk about this. 
and the more I investigate it. And to me, I look at the ancient times, you look at some of these amazing um, pictures going back hundreds and hundreds of years. And I, and you'll probably know of this, Richard, where, you know, there's sort of like a, a lovely painting of a, of a god or something, say in India or, and there in the distance in the sky is a UFO. Yes, that's right. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. So they were put in there. Yes. Hundreds of years ago. So they, these sightings are busy. And what about now? I can't remember this, but you're obviously a, 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 an expert on UFOs and things. So, um, what about the uh, the uh, lights and strange uh, sights that they saw? It was either in Washington or in LA, and I think it was during the Second World War or something. But they actually lit the sky up with huge super trooper lights, trying to find because they thought they were under attack. There's two incidents there. There's the Battle of Los Angeles, which I think was around about That's 19, it. 1942 where um, America had, uh, was on a high alert or had just entered the war and initially felt it was a Japanese raid. Um, and what was actually seen was a number of lights and a what was described, I think, as a sort of triangular or oval-shaped craft was seen um, uh, over, the, over the sort of coastline. So there's a famous picture where the searchlights have all been placed on it and you can see where the searchlights have crossed. And if you do enough treatment to that photo, you can actually make out that there is a large saucer or oval-shaped craft uh, caught in the um, searchlights. Uh, I think the, the, the strange thing about that, there was, there was nothing report, there was no sort of attacks. It literally appeared, um, but that didn't stop the Americans sort of shooting at it. <laughs> so they were, they were, they were shooting at it. Um, no reports of any damage or anything come down, but there was thousands and thousands of rounds. Yeah, I mean, isn't that absolutely fascinating? And I only learned about that because I was watching a documentary about UFOs, and I was like, "What? <laughs> what? This really happened? They were firing at it? What the hell?" You know, this this stuff is really happening. Yeah, the, the Washington one was was even more remarkable. So I think the Washington uh, Washington sightings was I think it was top of my head nineteen fifty four, nineteen fifty five, fifty six, somewhere like that. God, I'm but, impressed. I'm very impressed. But um, <laughs> the um, with with that a series of craft white lights were were found uh, was spotted on radar initially. Um, and uh, came over uh, Washington, and and you know they were talk about well why don't you just land on the um, in the White House? Well, he stopped above the Capitol building, and they were seen by you know hundreds and hundreds of people, picked up on radar. Nobody knew what they were, and then they flew off. And then a week later, as if to say, well look, nothing happened the first time. It happened again. <laughs> so they came over these these uh, individual uh, orbs of light, large orbs of saucers, came over, and there was a, again a famous photo taken of them above the Capitol building, and then flew off again. But uh, so it happened twice in in a fairly short period. I wouldn't say they get covered up particularly, but they're certainly not made a big fuss of. Which perhaps if it happened now, it would be. And over time, the people that saw it, you know. Uh, thin out and then it then passes into legend and if we're lucky I suppose with them two events that we did have photos to at least have something tangible to say 
that happened. But it, I, I think the, the point about the paintings for crafting is is a really good one. And, and again, that links to Burton Dassett because um, this church that appeared, which was actually built by the, the so there's a church in Burton, Burton Dassett up on the hills, uh, which is quite unusual. Um, sometimes, but more more with the Welsh churches, they build them up of uh, build churches on top of hills, and that's all part of the act of of going up to churches. You know, there's a bit of pain and suffering to get up to it. But it's quite unusual in in this country, in England. But there was a, there was a church built. It started off as a Saxon nave. Then, at around 1350, it was given a huge boost. This chair, this church, and it was. It was named Allsitz Church, and it, it became known as the Cathedral in the Cotswolds. At 1350, what we now think is that the Knights Templar built the church and put a lot of their money into it. The Knights Templar were based at Temple Hedwick, which is the village at the bottom of Burton Dasset Hills. And when they built uh, this church and expanded it, <clears throat> it included um, a number of features within it, which are, which are quite mysterious so we don't we can't attribute to them to the Knights Templar that did it, but certainly they appeared around about the fourteenth century about the same time. So there's actually carvings on the pillars that support the church on the north side of the of the church. So uh, churches are normally set out in about the same way with the altar being in the east at the west gate and then um, a northern gate and the, the the northern side is considered as the sort of uh, evil side, the side to protect church from evil so on the northern side in in all saints church there is a number of carvings at the top of um, the pillars that then support the roof and they're fantastic carvings and they depict really quite strange things for um, a church of that type so there's a green man symbol which a man with with leaves coming out of his body in his head uh, and that's that is pretty rare in 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 churches in England. It's not unheard of, but it is pretty rare. But it was also signified the joining together of two cultures. So perhaps the pagan culture and the uh, Christian Christianity coming together. Um, there is depictions of animals being being chased around. Sorry to interrupt you there, but if you think about it. All of these, you know, you've got this church, you've got all these religions, the pagan religions, Christianity, all, all sorts of things. They're all massing in that area. And we're all, you know, praying. We're all, for hundreds of years praying, praying, praying. What energy is that giving off? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, the, the, there's just so many questions, aren't there? And it's so frustrating. Just before we go very, very quickly, um, you mentioned about, you know, are our governments covering everything up? Are we being lied to? Very short answer from you. What do you think? I, no, I don't think we're being lied to particularly, but I don't think they're going out the way to tell us what's going on. I think far more likely is they haven't got a clue either and they're trying, <laughs> trying to protect the public in some ways um, and just trying to keep you know, the, the panic down to the minimum. As you said earlier on, there's enough things going on nowadays anyway. Maybe, maybe they don't need it. So, no, I, I, I just don't think they have a proper understanding of what it is it's difficult to deny, deny at the moment but i just don't think they try and raise attention to it because they, they couldn't solve it they couldn't solve richard it's been an, an absolute delight i've loved listening to you will you please come back on the podcast again oh yes i'd be delighted to no problem oh wonderful thank you so much and don't forget uh richard has written this amazing book called lights upon the hills so get it check it out read it and uh, let us know what you think it'd be great richard thank you an absolute pleasure no problem at all 
Get in touch yourselves with any paranormal stories you've had. And if you have had a paranormal or unexplained experience, then you've got to let us know about it. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and a huge, huge thanks to all our lovely listeners for sharing their paranormal stories. Now, you can get in touch and share your own stories at this address. It's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp, and here's the number to leave your beautiful dulcet tones on with your stories, and the number is 075-999-27537. We are on Instagram, and the handle is at Paranormal Activity Pod. You can stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And we'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait till then, visit this address. It's www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a great week. Stay safe. And remember, things aren't always as they seem. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.